There comes a point in any business where you reach the transition point where the owners have built what they've built and now they need to uh, kind of go, right? Transition out. How do they do that? Quite often, they just sell and they go. Maybe that's not the best way. And what if there is a better way? We're going to talk about ESOP and we're going to do it next with Sean Ely on Purpose Under Pressure. Purpose Under Pressure is brought to you by the Ruby Group, Sandler Sales Training in Akron and in Columbus. Mike Jones and the team are tremendous, and you will do yourself a favor if you reach out to them. Thank you to them for the sponsorship of our show today. Season two, here we go. The pressure's on. Let's get cooking. Hi, everybody. This is season two of Purpose Under Pressure, and I'm excited to bring it to you. I'm really excited to introduce to you a guest of mine that... Here, let me just go ahead and say it. He's a professional, and, and we haven't known each other for about 30 years, but we did know each other for 20 years before that. Um, he's an old friend of mine, and we grew up together, and he is Sean Ely. Sean, welcome to Purpose Under Pressure. Thanks for having me, Brian. It's good to be here, and good to see you as always. <laughs> Stop acting so professional. I know you better than that. So here's the story, folks. Sean and I grew up in Painesville, Ohio, a little town called Leroy, Ohio, and Sean would pick me up in his really fast, super high, like fast car and, uh, take me to school and, and we would just hang out together all the time. And then we, you know, that was 1980, what, 83, four five. Yep. Right. And then we graduated. Us, Brian. What's that? Dating us? dating us. I know. I know. I don't care. I'm old. I'll, I don't care who knows it. Um, and then we lost touch, right? I went to school, you went to wherever you went and we found love along the way and life along the way. And, and, uh, all of a sudden, here I am doing some different things and working on LinkedIn, building contacts and selling things. And there's Sean. And I sent him a note saying, is this the Sean Ely? <laughs> and all of a sudden we were back in touch together. So Sean, tell me a little bit about what you do. Tell our customers a little bit about what you do, what Lazier Capital is. You're a managing partner with Lazier Capital. And, and tell us a little about what you do. And then we're going to get into Purpose Under Pressure Season 2. Yeah, fantastic. And again, Brian, thanks thanks for having me on. Yeah, buddy. Um, so Lazier Capital Partners is a Columbus, Ohio-based investment banking firm founded in 1999. And uh, over the years, we have evolved to being um, almost exclusively focused on doing ESOP transactions. And, and so what does that mean? First of all, ESOP, um, Employee Stock Ownership Plan. It's, it's a, a form of ownership that, that can benefit the employees. And our role is to serve as the investment banking, the financial advisor to the owner and the seller of that business and, and walk them through the, uh, the creation of the ESOP and the, and the transfer of those shares to the employees and, and the payout to the owner uh, over time. And so the ESOP, again, just to make it really easy, the employees own the business. Is there a, a, a thumbnail way for, to explain the benefits of that and why that's important? Yeah, it's it's a, it's really a fantastic structure, and, and I certainly recognize that um, I may be perceived as biased. Are we all um, knowing what I know about ESOPs and, and having the, the years of experience that I do? It, it really is a a phenomenal, or it can be a phenomenal exit option and transition option and succession plan for owners. But what does it mean for the employee? So at a very high level, what, what an owner uh, would do, um, and, and owners can sell between zero and 100% uh, for, for simplicity, let's focus on a 100% sale of the business. Um, and it, we would help 
with uh, attorneys create an employee stock ownership trust. The owner would sh- sell their shares to the trust, which will hold it for the benefit of the employees. Um, the owner will get a portion of the, the value of those shares in cash at closing, and then they'll carry a seller note for the remaining balance uh, okay. that's paid out to them over time. From the employee's perspective, uh, this trust will hold and allocate shares to eligible employees each year um, over a, a typically a long 30, 40, 50 year period. Um, the employees don't have any investment in these shares. Their, their um, pay isn't changed. Their benefits aren't changed. They come to work. They do their job. And at the end of the year, there's this allocation of shares to eligible employees. And, and okay. what's important to understand, uh, an ESOP uh, looks, smells, and feels a lot like a 401k plan in that they are both qualified retirement plans governed by the rules of ERISA. And so, since this is purpose under pressure, it, which, which talks a lot about why, from the owner's point of view, real quickly, can you explain to me why this is good from an owner and not just from a financial or maybe from a financial, but is there a feel-good thing about this? Is there a purpose or pride that goes along with setting up an ESOP for their customers? Incredibly so. Yes, absolutely. So the clients that I have that, that choose to go down the ESOP path are folks looking for an exit and a transition plan and a succession plan for their business, which Brian, as you can appreciate in many cases, is is their baby. You know, perhaps it's a family business and their second or third or perhaps fourth generation owners of that family business, but that next gen isn't interested in, in coming back into the business. So they're not capable yeah. um, in, in doing so. And the owner is looking for a kinder, gentler option. And many folks think their only uh, really option in selling their business is to sell it to private equity or to that strategic buyer. Um, in an ESOP, what happens, you don't really have an outside third-party partner involved in the business going forward. So many, frankly, most of my clients are folks that uh, stick around with the business for, for the next several years, particularly as that, that seller note's being paid off. But what it allows the owner to do is get a full and fair value for their business which is important to everybody. You're, you, you, this is your, your, your life's work, your family's life's work. Uh, most folks don't want to sort of give that away for less mm-hmm. than a fair and reasonable value. And, and we can certainly deliver that each and every day. Um, but it allows them also to reward those employees that have helped build that business over the decades. Yeah. Um, it allows the owner to preserve that history and the legacy and the culture that's been created by the family over, over generations sometimes. Yeah. And it, 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 you don't have the, um, that, that notion of we're going to sell to a third party and they get to call the shots because in reality, that's what happens when you sell your business to, to a private equity buyer or to a strategic buyer, they're the new owner and you may stick around and be running it. But at the end of the day, they're calling the shots and, in the case of private equity, um, you know, they will exit in the next three to five or seven years. And mm-hmm. while you may love the private equity firm today and they may they may uh, share your values, um, the next party down the line that buys it from them may not. And yeah, and, and, don't control that. And, and so you've built your business on 
principle and purpose and trying to do the right things. And all of a sudden you have to wash your hands of it if you do it that way. And, and you're offering a way to kind of kind of maintain and, and all the things you've built can hold on and stay. So let's talk a little bit about uh, in, in the purpose under pressure realm. Let's talk about you. I'm interested in why you do this, um, why you, why it matters to you. It obviously matters to them, but I'm, I'm wondering in your purpose. And then I want to talk a little bit about what, what you have to overcome to make this happen. So tell me a little bit about why you do this for people. So, you know, Brian, I, I feel blessed to, to, to be sitting in the, in, in the seat I am and doing the, the work that I do today. Um, I've had a, a varied career in, in private equity and investment banking and have enjoyed the stops along the way, uh, the experiences I've had, the clients I've worked with. But in this role, I get to, I, I truly feel like the best of all worlds for everybody that I work with. And, and let me walk you through that. So from an owner's perspective, right, I'm going to get them, uh, by law, ESOPs are permitted to pay a full, uh, I'm sorry, uh, ESOPs are permitted to pay a fair market value, okay. which is a, a, a defined term, fair market value, willing buyer, willing seller. So um, our job is to get them there, that full and fair market value, which we do day in, day out. That's that's not a question because it's permitted by law. Um, so you're guaranteed a fair price. It's not like you're taking over. I mean, you come home and you sleep well at night. I, yeah. A, a, as an owner, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I, look, if I have a client who tells me, you know, I bought this business 20 years ago. Uh, I mortgaged my house. I emptied my 401k and I really haven't taken much in distributions out. So this is my payday. And, and I want I want to know that I've, I've sort of squeezed every mm -hmm. uh, uh, drop out of this. Then that's fine. I, what I'm going to recommend is that we do uh, an auction to private equity or a strategic buyer. And there are trade offs in, in that path. Right. So in, in the context of an ESOP and what makes me feel good, though, is we get this full and fair value for our clients. And then we're able to help reward the employees. Uh, this is, you know, they're going to get shares every year that they're there. There's no investment by those employees. Uh, there's no risk to those employees. That nobody's signing personally or guaranteeing any loans. Um, so the harder they work and the more valuable the business becomes, they get to they get to share in that, which is wonderful. And then the community is going to retain those jobs. Mm. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't like to use scare tactics, uh, but, but if you consider um, a, certainly a strategic buyer may, may really just want the equipment and, and maybe some of the sales folks, maybe some of the production folks, and they may move those jobs mm -hmm. or offshore them to happens China all the time or yeah. India or Mexico, right? That's so, not a scare tactic. That's the way it works sometimes. Yeah. It, it, look, that is a, that is a risk. If you go yeah. down that route, it, it doesn't mean that it's wrong, but if, no, my clients that 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 value the the preserving the jobs and the communities where they operate, there's no better way to do so, right? You're you're enriching the employees over time, the the jobs stay there, and then frankly, the the professional service providers for that business all retain that client relationship because you can close a transaction on a Friday and you come in on Monday and you know, at the end of the day, you look around and nothing's changed, right? It's still the same business, the same people relying on the same professional network. Yeah. And, and that's a wonderful thing because in the professional community, attorneys, accountants, insurance brokers, 401k providers, if their client is sold to private equity or a strategic buyer, uh, many cases, most cases, um, they ultimately will lose that that client mm -hmm. because the new buyer has their own team that they yeah. want to bring in. And so in, in context of, of not... Uh, um, 
upsetting the apple cart very much in doing an ESOP. Uh, you retain all those great advisors, um, retain that client relationship. And of course, those advisors are, are ecstatic, but so is the owner. Say on the rule, only decision makers can get other people to make decisions. Each and every day, we have a decision to make. Also, when we're with buyers in our sales process, we have a decision to make how we're going to lead that interaction. And if I'm somebody that can make daily commitments and keep those daily commitments, then when I'm with buyers, I expect them to make commitments and keep those commitments to me throughout that sales process. So first and foremost, I have to have a decided heart in order to lead other people to make the decisions that I'm expecting them to make. So I'm interested in, and I, I, we, Sean, we don't practice this show in advance. So if I throw you a curveball, you just say, no, that's curveball. I'm not going to hit that. I don't know how to edit that. But do you have any examples of positive impacts? This sounds like feel good stuff. And I'm wondering from an employee level or from an owner level, can you give me a, share an example of maybe something that you know that happened that wouldn't have happened that, I mean, is that possible for you to do? Are you that level, ground level? Absolutely. So okay. certainly no, no guarantees with, with ESOPs, but I think study right. after study has shown, you know, academic peer-reviewed studies have shown ESOP companies outperform their peers across uh, any measure that, that you want to use. Uh, Why is that? Brian, it comes down to- Is it a, to, a caring thing, like an ownership type of thing? I mean, I nobody, just said it, didn't I? Yeah. Nobody washes a rental car. Hmm. Right. No one so, takes care of your tools the way you do. Right. Right. So so if you're participating in, in a business and a company and now you own part of that, there's pride of ownership. And, you know, if you have everyone has a, a skin in the game and everybody in theory is rowing in the same direction, it, it's probably not surprising to, to learn that studies show those companies outperform. And it's not just on financial metrics either. It's also about employee satisfaction and and high customer service ratings. And any of the, if you do the studies and look, uh, any I don't say any, many of the top performing uh, uh, customer service, uh, employee satisfaction, customer satisfaction, uh, those companies, many of them are, are ESOPs. Okay. Uh, public supermarkets in the Southeast is the country's largest ESOP with 200,000 plus employees. But they also rank very, very highly in terms of best places to work. And I love them whenever I get to go in. Yeah. Customer service. Um, now, I'll say you don't have to be an ESOP to, to have those characteristics. Certainly, there are wonderful companies that treat their employees well and, and, and have great customer service that aren't ESOPs. But I will tell you that, that most ESOPs do, do very, very well um, in those regards. So this sounds really good. This sounds really easy, and it sounds like it's benefits for everybody and win-win across the board. And so I'm interested in the pressure here. So we know the purpose. Let's talk about the pressure. Why doesn't everybody just do this? What's the issues that you come across as you're trying to make this happen for people? And why isn't it just a slam dunk every single time? Well, Brian, the, the reality is is those people that haven't doing it or aren't doing it, they just haven't met me yet. And so... <laughs> So yeah, that might be job. right. Okay, that's, maybe this show will help that. That's my job. Here. No, the reality is um, the pressure part is, is I think, overcoming misperceptions in the market and, and frankly, uh, many um, centers of influence, those, those, those trusted advisors to business owners, 
don't always fully appreciate and understand how an ESOP works and, you know, where it can work. And so they may hold, um, you know, misperceptions about ESOPs as an exit alternative. And and I, I want to pause and, and make clear, uh, I'm not Pollyannish in looking at, at everything and, and, you know, saying, oh, everything should be an ESOP and every right. exit should be an ESOP. Now, it's certainly our specialty. It's it's the vast majority of what we do day in, day out. But uh, I, I sit in plenty of meetings with with folks, with prospects, and and after asking lots of probing questions, uh, I'll, I'll say, you know, I, I don't think an ESOP is is the best path for you. And here's why. Now, certainly we can do these other third-party sale transactions to private equity or strategic, and we do day in, day out. But most of what we do are, are certainly ESOP transactions that the owner decides to move forward once they really peel that onion back and overcome, uh, dive deeper and understand their, uh, the options which allow them to overcome some of the misperceptions. How do you handle it? And I know we're, we're not going to promise anything, and, but you've had situations where an ESOP was a good idea. It yes. absolutely made sense. You could argue it with anybody and you really want to go down that path. And, and, and you might even say you're pushing it. Like, it's just such a good idea. I know that you don't do that. You don't sell. I get that. And, and right. we want to be compliant here. But I'm wondering when, when, when you do feel like it's a good thing, it's an obvious thing, it's, but yet the powers that be, the owner doesn't understand it or the accountant kills it or whatever. How does that make you feel? Because your purpose is to get this done. How does it make you feel when you're not able to? It's, it's, it's frustrating, uh, truly. When, when, you know, when we fully understand that we have the best answer, the, 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 given what the owner has shared with us, right? That's, uh, again, our, our advice is always, you know, with the company's or the owner's best interests in mind. But when, when they tell us these things, uh, well, I, you know, I want to keep the company independent. I want to reward my employees. I want to preserve the jobs. Um, this is a family business. It's more than just a profit generating machine for that owner. It's, it's, it's part of them. It's part of their, their family. It's a, yeah. it's their baby, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, I can know that we have absolutely the, the best course of action for them, but sometimes they, they, they choose either their other advisors may, may talk them out of it for whatever reason. And, and that's hard when, when, you know, um, it has all these fantastic benefits for all the stakeholders, you know, not just the owner, the owner is my client. And that is first and foremost, my, my obligation to, serve their their needs but when we know that there's all these other stakeholders that also can benefit um it's it's hard when when it it doesn't go down that path. and look we're all competitive we all want to win um yeah you know if if it's if the esop path isn't the right answer um y- you know you, you certainly understand them going a different route right um we can still help them with that of course but when it is an esop and they choose not to do that uh it's tough and yeah. and, and you know you you're not going to win them all, uh, and and that's unfortunate because we, I do think it's a fantastic answer. Well, I think I, I think I've known you long enough to know. We've talked recently. It's a, we we live in a win win world where we're trying to do the best for folks, and and we're just trying to to convey our tra- our enthusiasm sure. for what they could have. And sometimes it doesn't go. But and so I'm interested now. Then so let's talk about the future. Let's talk about now and the future, which is kind of the same. No one quite knows what's going to happen. And you know what, Sean, two years from now, someone's watching this podcast. It's going to be the same thing. Like we're in some turbulent times. And so when owners are thinking about retiring or transition or secession and things of that sort, (laughs) this current environment, 
potential recession, um, jobs, uh, all those things that are happening now. How does that change the, the picture for you and what kind of struggles are you going to have uh, moving forward um, in this environment? Well, cer- certainly uncertainty uh, presents challenges to uh, both business owners and advisors like us to, to the business owners. But the, the, the one thing that you don't control or have the ability to even even address really is, is um, the aging of, of the business, business owner population. And, and mm. um, you know, folks will What do you mean by that? It's getting, there's more businesses have more older, it, it's happening more and more often, right? Is that what you mean? Well, the baby boomer yeah. generation yeah. Is, is coming to the point where yeah. they, they need to exit. Either they want to enjoy um, their, their retirement years or, or health is forcing them to, to exit. And so, um, you, you know, uncertainty is hard. But we always get the question of, well, you know, should I sell now? Like, well, you know, that's that's really that's a loaded question. It, it falls under the uh, when should I get married? When should I buy a house? When should I have kids if I'm going to have kids? Right. Mm-hmm. That's an intensely personal decision. What I do tell folks is you know, it's always good to try to sell with with wind at your back. If you're exiting your business, uh, you, you want to sell when when trends are positive. Um, if you know, we come over that crest and we're into a recession, businesses will still transition. Um, perhaps valuations will be lower um, as, as multiples come down, as interest rates continue to rise. But there is some leveling uh, effect. And, and I think um, from a valuation perspective, uh, uh, you know, ESOPs can get a, a good solid value year in, year out. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps it's not what you might have achieved uh, two years prior, if, if, you know, we're talking about two years down the road, but, you know, it, at the end of the day, you want to exit your business. You want a full and fair value at any point in time. Um, you know, you, you, you can play the game with yourself as a business owner and decide, well, should I, should I wait for two more years? Um, you know, let's talk about COVID, right? I, I don't know that anybody had COVID, a global pandemic checked on, on their, their list of things to do right on their on their risk factors yeah, on their right. SWOT analysis right yeah, so yeah. um again and i don't like to use scare tactic tactics to try to you know get people to move but but those are things you, you never know what's around the corner so what i always take look put the noise away of of recession and interest rates um w- when the time is right for you let's have a conversation right let's talk and maybe it's not right now maybe it's in 3 months or 6 months or, or a year but but start thinking about it before you want to exit your business. So, and that's a perfect way to kind of wrap this up. I'm wondering, Sean, there's people listening right now that have never heard of it or have seen it and tossed it aside, not right for them, right? Didn't realize. And so there's someone listening now going, ah, what is this thing? Right. What would what would be one or two or three even simple checkpoints that they could look at their business and say, you know, it's time for me to consider this. This makes sense for me. This is worth looking into. What's the obvious thing that they can see in their books or in their history or whatever it might be that would say ESOP might be a good thing for them to look into? Well, well, certainly you have to be uh, to, to, to do an effective ESOP. You need to be a, a profitable, healthy company. Uh, you know, you don't need to be a rocket ship, but you don't you, you certainly don't want to be struggling or break even. Um, you, you know, you want to be a, a healthy company. Having an existing management team in place is, is certainly very, very helpful. 
but that would be true of, frankly, of any exit option. You know, most buyers will want to see a, a management team in place. As I had alluded, I think um, most of my clients will stick around for a period of time. Um, and, and really, I think in, what the ESOP allows them, again, I, I'm going to reiterate that there's not a third party partner in there telling you as, as the former owner, this is what I want you to do, or this is how long you have to work, or this is um, how much you have to work. Um, our clients generally who, who go the ESOP path are looking for an off-ramp, a gentle uh, sort of easy off-ramp of, from their business, but they're not ready to necessarily walk away today. Now they can, but it's it's most will stick around for a period of time and, and, and use the ESOP transaction to allow them to back off and and hand off and, and coach up their management team to get them ready to, to fully transition. Folks, we're talking with Sean Ely. He's the managing director of Lazier Capital Partners, and they do ESOP transactions uh, for companies uh, based out of Columbus. And they, you, you're working with companies all across the country, right? You're, we you're are, yeah. So we're based in Columbus, and yep. we have offices in Cleveland, Detroit, Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, yeah. Fresno, Phoenix, and recently Pittsburgh. Yeah. Good for you. Everything except for Pittsburgh. Right. Fair enough. No, I'm just Brian's kidding. Nice I love Pittsburgh, but you, we, we grew up Browns fans, right, Sean? So that's, that's, right. that's right. So anyway, guys, uh, if anybody wants to talk to Sean, Sean, if you would uh, like to give your contact information, if somebody is interested in this ESOP idea or wants to learn more, no pressure, no obligation, just reach out and talk. Um, how would they reach you? So uh, email is going to be se at lazercapital.com, L-A-Z-E-A-R capital.com, or uh, cell phone, either text or the old-fashioned call at at 216-280-7399. Thank you very much. All that information is there for, for to be seen on our YouTube channel, and you can take a look at that at brianmediastrategies.com. Sean Ely is our guest, and uh, that's a wrap of our show. I do want to say before you go, two things. One, thank you to Sandler Sales Training in uh, Akron and Columbus for sponsoring the Purpose Under Pressure show. We couldn't do it without you. This is season two. We do three seasons a year, and Sandler is right there with me every single step of the way. If you're looking for sales training at all, for any reason, or if you just want to talk about whether it makes sense for your company, um, please reach out to Mike Jones and the team at Sandler Sales Training uh, Ruby Group in Akron and in Columbus. They are tremendous people, and I highly recommend them. Sean, I want to tell you that we look exactly as we did in <laughs> 1983. Don't you think? Well, Brian, I had a little more hair back then. <laughs> yeah, you did. So did I. I, I, <laughs> I. I have recently had an opportunity to go through a big box of pictures. I was with my mom, and we were going through some pictures. I didn't see any of you, but holy cow, I saw a ton of me, and, and there was a lot more hair. Than Indeed, we're, we're older now. and wiser. Yeah, I don't know about the wiser part. I don't know. But it's really good to catch up with you, and thank you for sharing your story, and best of luck to you and Lazier Capital Partners, um, and thank you for doing the show at Purpose Under Pressure. I appreciate you having me on, Brian. Thanks so much. Folks, we do this once a week, and you are welcome to come back anytime. Past episodes are at brianmediastrategies.com. Uh, and you can also find us wherever you listen to your podcast. The pressure is cooking. Keep your purpose on, and we will talk to you next time.